Welcome to the Take the Cake podcast. I am your host, Kate Noel, and I am so happy you're here. My mission is to inspire you to be the best version of yourself by truly honoring what your mind, body, and soul want and need. Here, we talk about everything and anything, wellness, recovery, lifestyle stuff, lots more. Thank you so much for being here, and I hope you enjoy the show. Hi everyone, welcome back to the Take the Cake podcast. Today I chatted with the lovely, vibrant, super gorgeous Alimata, aka Well with Ollie over on Instagram. Ollie is recently graduated from university where she studied nutrition, and her work on social media and in real life focuses on social justice, health at every size, intuitive eating, and equality. And she works at the London Center for Intuitive Eating, which is a place that embodies all of those things that she's really passionate about. So she loves working there. And her Instagram is absolutely stunning and inspiring. And it was such an honor to chat with her about representation and racism in eating disorders and in eating disorders recovery. And we also talk about her college tips that are really practical and good for anyone who's out there who is about to go into college or is already in college. So we talk about friendships, making long-lasting friendships, and supporting yourself and your mental health in college in a holistic way. Thank you so, so much for tuning in. I know you're going to love this show. Ollie is such a light, and I just can't wait for you to hear this. Uh, please don't forget to leave a review and a rating if you like this podcast. Let me know your thoughts and um, shoot me and Ollie a DM if you enjoyed the show. So thank you so much again, and I hope you enjoy. Hi, Ollie. Thank you so much for being here. I am so excited to interview you. I'm just excited to learn from you and learn more about you. So if you could start off with just how you ended up becoming the person you are on social media and a little bit about you. Oh, thank you. So I think, and first of all, I'm really excited to be here. So thank you so much for having me. Um, In terms of the question, I think it's so interesting. And I've noticed a lot more, um, a lot more people sharing their journey from sort of intuitive, well, from sort of like gym and diet culture to more intuitive eating, intuitive movement, recovery. Um, and for those that don't know, that's the sort of content that I share, share mental health advice and things that I've been through, as well as my journey with intuitive eating, eating disorder recovery, learning more about intuitive movement. Um, and it's interesting. And I do sometimes sit back and laugh. Like, I feel like my page is on a full circle. When I first started my page, it was called something like like Oli Matter Fitness UK and it, I like I honestly like I, I love <laughs> every version of myself but at the same time I'm like girl what were you thinking <laughs> like it was like a lot of like booty pics like gym pictures which you know that's not to um you know be slight to anyone else but just for me I, I knew my truth and I wasn't really being true to myself um and that was like the sort of content that I posted and then whilst I was at university I was studying nutrition and health so when I went through my um, eating disorder recovery I worked really closely with a dietitian and a personal trainer so I was studying nutrition and health at uni and I also qualified as a personal trainer then and I remember in my lectures so much of it being about 
and just the focus being on weight loss and you know sort of public health weight loss um, initiatives and things like that and I think for me because of my previous journey before being at uni I was just kind of tired of it I was like I'm so over this this isn't my personal goal Um, I've had a really bad relationship with weight loss like and I would often think like surely there's more to nutrition than this like surely nutrition isn't just about losing weight um, and it wasn't until I graduated and started to started doing my own research discovering intuitive eating things like that that I was like oh my gosh yes like finally like a whole world of people that get it and also I really appreciated that it was all supported by science as well and research and things like that I really enjoyed studying and I really enjoyed doing research and I've always loved science so when I found sort of people that were about what I was about and also there was sort of the credibility I was like it's a match made in heaven and then I think I just felt really inspired to share more of my own journey Um, and you know we can talk about representation and things later on but especially um, identify, identifying as a mixed race woman um, and I just knew, know and still know that there isn't that much representation for the black community in eating disorder recovery spaces and for any sort of marginalized group to be honest um, so I really wanted to bring my voice and my experience to the conversation um, so that it could help hopefully help other people as well. Thank goodness you did because <laughs> I, I love it it's, um, it's really powerful to know that you were like in school. I've heard this before from some other people who have been, who did like the nutrition health degrees in school. And then they ended up, it almost seems like there's no other career path except for pursuing weight loss after, which makes me sad. And I hope that changes for the curriculum. Yeah. Like, I love the idea that you were so strong, even in your studies, like, honestly, I don't think I could have done that. I think learning about weight loss would have made me even more like, okay, this is how I have to live my life. I mean, I, I was obviously, I struggled in a different way, but like, I love that you were strong enough to see that. And so how, like, how did you access like the science? Like, do you just like Google, like, I don't, I don't know. I didn't really graduate. I didn't graduate from college. So I don't actually know how people can like access the science, but just Google. Yeah, no, definitely Google, YouTube videos. Um, there's a lot of writers as well. So currently I'm reading a book called Fearing the Black Body by um, Sabrina Strings. And it's mm-hmm. so brilliant. And it's very academic. Like there's so much literature, um, so much reading into it. And it doesn't um, necessarily, like sometimes it's social research, not necessarily sort of like scientific in a lab. Um, I know mm-hmm. when when you say science, sometimes that's the things um, people think about. Um, but honestly, just research like research papers um using google yeah like i said youtube sometimes you can find someone on on instagram and they share so many papers um so i think if you're willing and you're um keen to find out more about it the information is really out there Mm -hmm. yeah that's cool that's good to know i think a lot of people like me included like at least used to just trust like the first study they saw. There's always like counter studies and other things that are opposing and there's just always more. And I think it's really important to make sure you read actually into the study and who's being studied and what's going on. Cause it's sometimes it's like anecdotal. Sometimes they're like, people sometimes go off of like anecdotal studies or whatever so yeah I even did I even did a post on Instagram I was like just because it's in an infographic doesn't automatically make it true because there's some people that just are 
literally haters <laughs> and they just want to come with like one tiny little like study or research or just put something on an infographic and call it true to try and like rebuke the actual research that's out there and it's so annoying because it just mm-hmm. feels like why 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 are you doing that <laughs> so I think yeah if, if it if it smells fishy double check it uh, mm. that, that would be my yeah biggest piece of advice for people <laughs> yeah it's like anyone can make an infographic why do they look so they look so official and you're like no like anyone can do this (laughs) no it's so So, true definitely that's good okay so yeah let's talk about representation what is your experience with with that and I know personally that marginalized groups are not being included in the research and included in they don't have the resources but I I really am limited in what I know because I am a thin white woman, so I have that privilege. So tell me about your experience and, and what you know. Yeah, definitely. And I think part of my experience, so just to sort of acknowledge it, I know that, and on reflection, I can see that I even had privilege when I was going through eating disorder services. Mm-hmm. Um, so I live in the UK and we have the NHS. Um, so my sort of therapy and treatment was free, but I know, and it's only uh-huh. since seeing even more research that, the it's so limited it's it's really so so limited and um really sadly um someone who's famous over here recently passed away um and I, I don't know yeah oh. yeah and it's it's really awful because I think there was just a real lack of support and it for me it's like I, I never blame individuals who work at the NHS and things like that because honestly it blows my mind how incredible they are but it's just so frustrating to think that the government could be doing something but they literally aren't um so I know that I really had privilege and sometimes I I'm really grateful that I had my mom who is a white woman sort of fighting my corner but I know that there's so much research and there was even a recent um study recently that shared um for sort of black and BIPOC communi- communities there's that real lack of sort of first point of contact access um so usually things get to the point where it's really severe um or people need to be hospitalized and um the person doing the research and I'll share it with you after they were sort of asking the question you know what's stopping people getting that first bit of support to prevent them being hospitalized um and I just think there's a real lack of representation and conversations um I did a post as well where I sort of um was showing the lack of representation and if you google google films about eating disorders it's typically slim younger affluent white women and that's pretty much the story and the narrative I feel like is held across the board I think um there's a real misconception that eating disorders are only really valid or true when it's something like anorexia or someone's really really underweight when that's not the case at all and I think it wasn't until quite recently that um, something that we use and I'm not sure if it's universal but it's called the DSM-5 mm-hmm. so it's sort of like a diagnostic criteria um, and it wasn't until more recent years that they added um, the sort of diagnosis for atypical anorexia which I think even still has received a bit of backlash because it includes things like having a higher BMI and um, you know different sort of criteria but at the same time I feel like calling something atypical gives the impression that it's not as severe or it's not as important Um, and 
the same with every mental illness, it needs to be taken seriously. Um, and in the case of anorexia, you know, out of all sort of um, mental illnesses, it has the highest mortality rate. I'm not sure if that's universal, but I know that that's research that's shared here. So it's like, why are we not taking this more seriously? Um, and it just it just really makes me sad that someone um, might show up to an appointment and um, because of their skin colour or their size or, you know, however they identify, they might not get taken seriously. And I think the sort of key take home message is, you know, eating disorders are a mental illness. It's not a choice. And in the same way that, you know, we treat any other mental illness, we need to be taking this seriously as well. Um, and, you know, things don't always there's a lot of sort of stigma. Um, I know there's someone who does a really brilliant, um, she did a really brilliant podcast. Her name's The Friend I Never Wanted. Mm -hmm. And she sort of shared her experience of living in a bigger body and how just her, the, the doctor that she saw just wouldn't believe her that she was experiencing restriction. Um, and they sort of like put the onus on like, oh no, you must be doing this, you must that. And she was like, no, I literally, this is my experience. Why are you not listening to me? Um, and it was because she lived in a bigger body. And I just think that's such a shame that that's someone's reality. Mm, yeah, I follow her. I've connected with her and she's she's so brave and so strong. And she's I, incredible. I cannot, I just... It takes so much strength and courage to be like, you know what, I have a problem and I need to get help. And so even doing that act is like, takes so, so much. And then I yeah. can't imagine showing up and then putting yourself out there and like mm -hmm. basically surrendering your issues and your problems and like feeling yeah. like you're okay, I'm ready. I'm ready for this change. And then somebody literally saying to you, no, that's not true like yeah. totally dismissing you, like that would just spiral me. I mean, no wonder that's really, really unfortunate. And for me, I know I got, I saw a therapist who specialized in eating disorders and she's the one who referred me to my physician, who referred me to a dietitian who referred like, so it is sort of like, you need to have that first point of contact. So if that first point of contact doesn't have your back, <laughs> then what are you going to do? You know, you yeah. just have to suffer. That makes me really sad. And I, yeah, I, I hope that they change that whole like atypical diagnosis. And I hope they really like just make it, I don't know if it would be better to make it like an umbrella thing or if to make it like all sort of different, like bulimia, anorexia, orthorexia, because there's so many. And honestly, like a lot of them kind of coincide with each other. A lot of people end up having both. Um, so that's really unfortunate. Do you have any like other resources that Black people or BIPOC communities could go to? or yeah see. so um I would say there's a lot of resources on my page and I can send them to you I'm not mm -hmm. sure if you um, use show notes and things like that do, or, yeah. um sort of mental health charities that um support black people and the black community specifically and I think that makes such a difference and I think it wasn't until um I had a therapy experience recently where I really understood that um and I think that's something that maybe, you know, other black people might be able to share. I really felt like I, well, I saw a therapist around the time everything was happening with George Floyd and just so, so many mm -hmm. awful things happening in the black community. And I think for the first time ever, it kind of felt like I wasn't really being understood. And I think that's another reason why representation is so important because there are things, there might be cultural things, there might be language barriers, that there's that sort of first point of, you know, relation in skin color that makes it so 
you can feel more comfortable in certain um, scenarios and you can feel less comfortable in, in different mm-hmm. ones. Um, and I remember it being such like a vulnerable time anyway that I, I think I would have really appreciated to speak to another black person and a black therapist about the things that I was experiencing and feeling because sometimes it just feels that even though the therapist at the time was brilliant, there was just a lack of genuine understanding, mm-hmm. you know? So I think with representation not only does it help support research um I think it can just be a beacon of hope for people um I know that when I was in recovery I'm not sure if you've heard of Grace Victory but she she wrote a book um and she was speaking about her um experience with disordered eating and eating disorders and she's also mixed race and I feel like that really helped my own journey because I was like wow there's someone who looks like me um and she had a similar sort of like family scenario and I was like wow if she can do it then I can do it Mm -hmm. too um and I think if there was more representation and more conversations about not only the black community, but also other marginalized groups, it would be a such, such like light of hope for people. Yes, I love that. I will be so, so happy to leave any of those linked in the show notes. Yeah. So some of those are charities, um, yeah. nonprofits where people can donate and then that gives access to treatment options or therapy for black individuals. Yeah. You were saying you wish you talked to a professional, like, is there any like I don't know, websites or something where you can sort of like have like a database of black Mm. or BIPOC professionals who could help. I wonder if that exists. I wonder if there's like a, um, that should exist in the UK. It's called the B the B A A T N, um, Mm -hmm. network. I'm pretty sure that's it. Um, yeah, B A A T N. And I think they have a list of, um, different sort of black orientated therapists in the UK I'm not sure of anywhere outside of the UK (laughs) some of that I have heard of um I think in America is the Loveland Foundation Mm -hmm. yeah Um, yeah so they're brilliant and I know that we have um Black Minds Matter in the UK and that sort of works on both ways you can donate to support them and then they offer uh, free therapy sessions as well um but I again Google Google. (laughs) (laughs) I think sometimes like you or like I can even sit there and think like oh I wish I had like I had that or I wish I had access to this or I wonder if there's that and then it's like oh wait like my phone's just there why don't yeah. I just like <laughs> research it and then you just see a whole list and you're like oh okay, oh, okay. That makes sense. That's nice. yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah but um I can definitely send you some if people are okay looking that would be it. great I'll try my best to include some as well and do my own research real empathy only really exists when you have a true connection and like a true relatability. Mm. So I think it's really, really important to see, yeah, to have access to see somebody who looks like you and has experienced things like you. Well, thank you for sharing all of that. And I do hope that things really start to change. And it seems like the ball's rolling. It just seems like it's going to take a long time. The NHS, I mean, look, I have said to myself, I'm going to move to the UK because I'm so tired (laughs) of healthcare here in the States, yeah. I think it's worse. So I don't know. It's just yeah. like, even for me, it was super privileged. I'm just like, Oh, I don't know what I'm going to do. So yeah, it's a lot, but it yes. really is. And sometimes I feel like I can't figure out how sort of the America does it. I don't like, know. I honestly I don't know. I wonder how, how do people get help if they need it? 
they don't people and that blows my mind I can't believe there's literally got people in government and people in positions of power that really sleep at night knowing that they could help people but they choose not to I know, like when I you know. when you sit back and think of it as simply as that you're like wow that is so mind-boggling <laughs> I know yeah. it's really sad it's like the insurance yeah. it's like doctors have to see a certain number of patients in order to get paid mm-hmm. I think this is like what I've heard you know I'm doing my brief amount of research like yeah. doctors have to see a certain number of people to get paid a certain amount. So it's almost like you can't blame them, but then you're kind of like, wait, there are doctors who are like doing it right. But those are the doctors who are like famous and really expensive to see. So it's like, oh no. (laughs) I want to talk about your experience in college. You used to call it uni, which I think is cute. And I like that better. (laughs) I'm going to call it college because I'm not trying to be a poser. Um, so yeah what is your advice on supporting your mental health while in college because that's something that I did not even think about when I was in college for two years um yes yeah (laughs) yeah I would say and it took me a while to to learn this I feel like so I was in uni or college for three years and I think each year just brought such a different experience um and I think one of the biggest things is saying no to things you do not want to go to. It's it's so hard because I think there's such like a pressure and peer pressure to be, you know, going out. Obviously in the UK, we're allowed to go to like clubs and stuff. <laughs> um, so there's such a pressure to go out drinking or to go to all these uni social events. And I know for me, even sort of in everyday life, if I've had sort of like a social week or a social day or a weekend, I really do need a day to sort of like decompress, relax, just spend time by myself and like recharge my social social battery. Um, and I found when I forgot to do that or I felt like I was going out a lot, um, I would sometimes be like always looking outwards, always looking at how I can keep myself busy and never just stopping and being like, are you okay, Ollie? Like, how are you? What do you need today? Um, and I would never really do that in my first year. And then over time, I realized like, okay, this is something that I actually really need to do. Um, and I think by doing that for myself, it also, um, I don't know, let me be more accepting and have more patience for people if they sort of like cancel last minute or just didn't want to come. I was like, oh no, I, I completely get it. Um, and I think, yeah, when you start doing things for yourself and having those boundaries for yourself, you can start to respect those even more for other people. So I think that would be one of my biggest pieces of advice. Um, and also I think if you can try and see if your campus or um it might not necessarily be on your campus, but sort of like a local practice um, has a peer peer support or a student mentor, um, or we even had a therapist. Um, and usually they are free, especially if it's peer support. And sometimes it's nice just knowing that they're there, but also I found it really helpful. And I did go a few times. You can sort of book in regular slots. I know that I just had a few things every now and again that I just wanted to go to speak to someone about who wasn't in my uh, circle of friends and didn't know necessarily know who I was talking about or what I was talking about but was just there to give advice. So definitely see if your uni provides any support. I'm not sure if that's the same for any for everyone but I know that's really helpful. Um, And yeah I think those would be like two two big pieces of advice that I have. (laughs) Those are great. I, I didn't do either of those. I was like, well, yeah, yeah. I think my mindset in college was just like, have to take every opportunity, like go, yeah. go, go. And I mean, here in the States, we're not allowed to go to the clubs, but instead of going to the clubs, you just go to like 
frat houses and like house yeah. illegal house parties and like sketchy basement parties <laughs> and stuff like that. Oh my gosh, I have to go, go, go. And so in hindsight, I should have taken some time to chill. I also think that this isn't true for everyone, but I think that whenever I did drain my social battery, which was a lot and drank alcohol, um, yes. I always like engaged in my eating disorder behaviors a lot more just because I was so kind of flighty. And I just think I really needed to take some time to think and ground and myself. And I was like doing yoga in college and stuff, but even that I was so like, I'm doing this because I have to, I don't know, stay in shape or something, you know, even though everything was messed up for me in college. So that's, that's great advice. And same with the therapist. I mean, if you have access to it, I think take advantage of it. If, even if you just try it out once, I think that's like a really good idea. And I think even, especially with sort of um, like assignments and things like that, I think, and I know that I'm the sort of person, even to this day, I think if I had an assignment to do, I would probably still be like just as stressed out. But I think looking back, at times when I was in the library until like 4am or doing like ridiculous things to try and get a certain grade. Sometimes I look back and I'm like, I wish I just allowed myself to relax a bit more or, you know, told my lecturer or my teacher that I needed a bit of an extension or a bit more time to do something. Um, That's actually something. And if you feel like you do get really stressed out, I'm not sure, you know, what it's like for every university, but I know that if we were really honest with our lecturers and our teachers um, and just told them you know I have this going on at home or I'm just really stressed out could I get like a three-day extension a week extension usually if you can do the communication in time they can be a bit more understanding sometimes it can affect your grade but I know that I was really blessed to have such brilliant lecturers that were if you did it with enough time they would be like okay I understand do you need support with something and it just takes the pressure off a bit I think um, especially if you I don't know have a bit of a perfectionist personality which I would say sometimes I still have a bit (laughs) it can feel almost weak to ask for support especially when it comes to deadlines because you want to feel like I should just be able to do this at the same time as everyone else but you don't know what someone else is or isn't going through and if you're going through something that is affecting your concentration and your work that's valid and if you can get support never feel too proud to ask for support I think yeah, it's like worst case scenario, maybe they would just say something that would make you, you know, okay, th- that's not going to happen and you're going to have to belt it out or whatever, but at least yeah. you tried. I see like professors who are just like extremely racist and, you know, especially in 2020 when everything is going on, it's like, yeah, nobody. No, exactly. I mean, I just can't believe that people were like, you know, no exceptions for you. It's like, um, black people have never had exceptions. Like it's just, yeah really really sad I'm not surprised and obviously we have universities uh I don't know if I should name them but we have like very obviously famous (laughs) unis in the UK (laughs) and when you look at the acceptance rate for black students it's so much lower um and it's just like I think a lot of places give this idea that like you know we're inclusive we're blah blah blah, and then the reality of it is just so different um so yeah it's just it's frustrating and it's tiring um but I don't even like sometimes I wish I could be like but you know this is fine and have some words of of encouragement but also I think it's okay sometimes to accept that it's just frustrating and tiring um and I know that there 
are over time a few more conversations being had in schools about representation and how that's important but at the same time I feel like it's not enough and you know even recently um, we had a situation where um, school girls in a in a certain school were told that they weren't allowed to wear their hijab at school um, and it, it, it either had to be sort of a full hijab or like full covering um, or they weren't allowed to wear it at all and it's just like so many things that feel like if you if you couldn't understand and if you didn't have empathy for that or if that wasn't your lived experience you could look at that and think oh that's not racist oh that's not this but the rea- the reality of it is is it is racist um and yeah it's just wild <laughs> it's so bad mm. that's really 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 sad I mean what's like why you know it just like when you really think about yeah. what what's there's no logic behind that it doesn't even make any sense and exactly. it's really unfortunate um I hope that changes too but yeah, yeah you're right there's no there's there's nothing wrong with saying like this sucks and this is frustrating and yeah um so yeah and I'm grateful sometimes I feel grateful particularly for gen z's that are coming up because if you and I think like this is a conversation that when you pretty much look at like every avenue you could see some sort of disparity racial disparity or just blatant racism um even if you think at school curriculums what we're taught at school the histories that we're taught at school um how really tragic awful events were taught to us as you know this person was a hero because they Mm -hmm. did this and then you look at the reality behind it and it was slavery or it was whatever it was and I think a lot more kids in schools are starting to realize that now and sometimes like I chuckle to myself because I'm like Gen Z's are so cool (laughs) like they just like yeah (laughs) so much stuff um and they just I feel like they just won't carry any of the crap anymore like they're tired and I feel like so proud of them I (laughs) know they're like so woke I'm like yes Gen Z we need you to like (laughs) yeah just bring it on like I just love I love them I mean I think they're so funny like you can tell someone's Gen Z just like looking at them but they probably think that about millennials too no it's so true and I'm I feel like I'm the year or the month I'm on the cusp but I have a sister who just turned 18 um so she is like Gen Z and the things that she talks about and the things that she's aware about um and you know the way that she speaks up for herself at school as well I'm like wow like I wish I had your courage and bravery but then again I think it's because things are being spoken spoken about more that she feels confident enough to do that um so you know I feel like sometimes when you're on social media especially there's a sort of like silent like eye roll in like oh why are we still talking about this but I think what people need to remember is you know black people can't just take their skin color off mm-hmm. any marginalized group can't just switch that off because it's not a choice you know that's that's someone's reality and if you're having the attitude of like why are we still talking about this and it's unfortunately you just don't care because that's someone's everyday reality and that just that doesn't just stop for them I won't wake up tomorrow and not be a mixed race woman I'll still be a mixed race woman and those are two sort of you know groups that are you know played against me in the world those are two sort of you know oppressions that I have to face as an every single day reality and it's the same for other marginalized groups so I think that's that's why it's so important to keep the momentum going and I think it's a real shame especially online um to see people who are sort of seemed as though they were 
caring last year about certain topics or communities and then this year to sort of see it trail off or you know have that same attitude of like I don't really want to talk about this or blah 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 and yeah I think that's a real shame because I definitely have been in situations where um I've like spoken with someone or done some work for someone or somewhere felt like a safe space and then the reality was actually different they just wanted Instagram clout and I think Mm -hmm. that's I think yeah and I definitely definitely have had experiences where I felt like I was being used for my skin colour and I think that's a really difficult situation to explain um, because for me it felt like when the penny dropped I just remember feeling like almost a bit disgusted like I couldn't believe and I think for the first time in a, in a, in a very long time I felt kind of uncomfortable with my skin colour and that's something that I really don't feel often like I'm very proud um, but just having that reality and that penny drop moment, I was like, wow, that is really, really sad that someone wanted to look like they cared more than actually caring. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just think if you if you don't care, then at least own that. <laughs> you do know yeah. what I mean? Sometimes I really think like at least own that. But if you care, do it with a genuine intention. Mm-hmm. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. It breaks my heart to even hear the words like I can't wake up with another skin color it's True. really yes. sad and it's, it's, it's not that that's a want my want is there for for there to be equality but it's yeah. that's why we need people to pay attention because the reality doesn't just switch off when you're bored of seeing it on Instagram mm-hmm. because that's someone's every single day reality you know so mm-hmm. yeah. yeah thank you so much for sharing your experience and for just continuing to share the truth on social media and Mm -hmm. I love that you said either care or don't care like you you do have to make that decision like anyone who's Mm -hmm. listening who's not marginalized you do have to make that decision you just like recovery you have to make a choice and so (laughs) yeah you have to make a daily choice and if something is wrong if something isn't right in the world make that choice to either choose to fight for marginalized groups or not you know faking it is obvious I think and yeah last year it was really interesting and even I feel sometimes kind of hopeless and I'm like how must black people feel if I'm over here feeling hopeless like what in the world am I feeling hopeless like I just Mm -hmm. yeah so I just I really hope anyone out there is listening they just have a change of heart if you don't you know mm. support black lives matter movement which i don't know if you wouldn't but i'm just like i don't know it's just really yeah really hard and i think listen to people's stories i think and the thing is something that i'm learning a lot more as well is just to be sort of very humble in it all because there's things that i'm even learning and i even recognize you know as a mixed race woman i still have privilege um com- compared to a dark-skinned woman for example so um, there's certain situations where I know that if I can elevate someone's voice or if I'm doing a talk and I can speak about a dark skin, dark skin woman's experience, I'm going to speak about that and uplift them. And I think if you can just be looking in every single environment that you're in, how can I support someone here? If it, Even if it's not, you know, actively... Um, you know shouting about something if you're in a space how can you show up for someone if you 
hear someone saying something awful to someone on the bus are you going to stand up for them or are you just going to reshare things on social media like it's not just about what you share on social media it's about what you're doing in your every single day life um and how you can continue to show up for people um I know a friend of mine she um is studying to be a doctor and there was um, a situation where she was in a lecture and um, they were shown sort of pictures of how to detect a certain um, condition on skin and you know she flagged to the lecturer how would I recognize this on dark skin because the only images that they were shown were the condition on white skin so it's like and I think then you can unpack it more and it's like wow you know before she spoke up and she actually um got confirmation that the next year um the teacher had added in dark skin which was brilliant but before then it's like the students there at that university weren't even being taught how to detect it on dark skin so if someone was to come to their practice when they had graduated and were a doctor how would that student know and then it's kind of that backwards domino effect of like okay it runs really deep you know so so deep yeah mm-hmm. I mean I think back to when I was just just learning anything I mean Mm -hmm. so young and I have a friend we were talking and we have this like well she kind of has a theory and I kind of agree with it I guess Mm -hmm. I'll shout out her but she and I were talking about how like if you grow up in a small town or even just like not a big city Mm -hmm. and you especially I think white people Mm -hmm. um because I mean yeah even the demographics and how infrastructure is, is racist too so growing up if you stay in your bubble and you mm-hmm. just kind of are closed-minded or you just kind of adhere to whatever you're growing up around. Okay, that's like one scenario, but I we both think and agree that if you decide to move to a bigger city or somewhere where there's more diversity, mm-hmm. it's almost like you couldn't not at least see mm-hmm. what's around you. I mean, maybe that's yeah. me and her just being like, what? why aren't people like changing? But it's like, once you are around it, I guess it's the empathy. You just see it, you connect with more people, you get more friends who are different than you. And um, yeah, it's like, whoa, I feel like once you move away from your little bubble, you almost have to just change. And if you don't, yes. then that's that's really weird. But yeah. I guess there are people <laughs> no, who don't. I agree. So. I agree. <laughs> yeah, no, definitely. I love that. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Let's go back to college because that's something I do want to talk about. Yeah. And um more tips. And so what about making friendships that are long lasting and real and support you when you need time to relax, like you mentioned before? Definitely. So I think, again, this was such a journey for me. I think um, when I look back to my 18 year old self, like starting uni, I remember I definitely felt um, like I really almost like needed people to like me I really I I still don't like making people upset but I really felt awful if I'd said something that offended someone or I I just didn't know the word no I could not turn someone down to like dinner even if I was so tired or Mm -hmm. if even if I didn't want to go to a club or whatever I just always felt like I had to say yes to things Um, and I think that was just reflective of like my self-confidence and my relationship with my self-worth and just like understanding of like my boundaries my decisions and things like that so um I think there's not very many people I talked to from my first year of uni but I think that's just reflective of growth um and I think how can I like dissect this this question into different parts so I think first of all like enjoy enjoy people 
people's company I think that's a really important thing if you're spending time around someone that you just don't really like I think it's actually it's okay to not like people in the same way that it's okay for someone to not necessarily like you but there doesn't need to be sort of a bitchiness or horrible sort of attitude to, towards each other um you can understand that it's okay to just not want to hang out with people and that's okay um and I think just finding people that I don't know feel like-minded feel like they have similar sort of um a similar respect towards boundaries to you um people that you feel like you can be your genuine self around I think it wasn't until I started making friends where I actually felt like myself that I realized I could make friends that I feel myself around if that makes sense I think sometimes it's easy to sort of want to fit in in certain places or um you know almost pretend that you're into something that you're not really into just to sort of like not be alone um and I think kind of trying to work towards over getting that fit getting over that fear of being alone um, can be helpful in making meaningful friendships because if you're comfortable with spending time with yourself if you're comfortable with your boundaries if you're comfortable with what you believe in naturally you're going to draw and be drawn to like-minded people Um, and I think yeah I think that's really really important and I would say now from uni there's like only a handful maybe two of people that I would genuinely speak to a lot of the time and you know spend time with and stay over or whatever um and if I look compared to first year it felt like I had like a million friends but I felt really lonely mm. whereas now I have a lot less friends but I feel really really supported I know that if after this call I needed to face on my friend whatever she was doing she would you know be there for me and vice versa um so I think getting over the fear of being alone and really like discovering yourself understanding what you like and what genuinely makes you happy is really important because then when you come to relationships friendships whatever you're going to know what you like and don't like and then you're going to be able to be around people that have a similar sort of outlook to you and yeah attitude to you Mm -hmm. I love that I think especially if you are in recovery Mm -hmm. I mean I think it's important no matter what but if you're in recovery it's really important to choose friends and like I do agree like you will get that choice I think like first couple weeks of of college for me I was so so worried about I mean I luckily I I was really good friends with my roommate um yeah I mean we didn't like know each other until we lived together but like we knew we were both from like the same hometown and everything but I mean I was so concerned with like being the most popular in the popular group on the dorm floor like you know every I don't know if you have dorm if you have to dorm first year when I went to school I had a dorm first year um yeah so I just like wanted to be in the cool crowd even though like that didn't even exist it was like a narrative I was like taking from high school or something but I was like to be with this yeah it's like there was not really the same thing in in college um but yeah I I really wish I would have um spent more time really being present in the friendships that I made slowly and like the real friendships instead of being like we have to go over to this person's house because they're having this like big group of the people um yeah Mm -hmm. those are really good tips um just like slowing down and yeah trying to focus on how how can I be okay with being alone with myself and then I can extend that to other people. And if anyone's out there is listening, like I said, it will come, like you will make friends. It might not happen as soon as you want it to maybe, um, depending on how big a school you're in and everything. Um, but it will happen. 
for sure. Definitely. And I think that's really daunting, especially when you go to uni that maybe isn't in your area or there's no one that you know. I remember I literally knew one person going to my uni before mm-hmm. um, out of everyone there. And I was thinking like the whole car ride there, like I'm not going to make friends. I'm not going to make friends. <laughs> and that's just not the case at all. And yeah, admittedly, a lot of friends that I made in the first week or, you know, those first few months in the first year, I didn't necessarily carry all of those friendships throughout university. Um, but I'm grateful for those experiences, obviously. And it was nice to have uh, time to spend with people. But I think if you just keep in mind, especially if you're going into your first year, that everyone is everyone's first year there. It's mm-hmm. everyone's first experience. So there might be people that look super confident. I'm sure um, I probably looked more confident than I felt. Um, but everyone is in the same boat. So the person next to you and your like introduction meeting or whatever is probably feeling just as nervous as you are. Um, and I think just being mindful that like it's kind of the start of adulthood I guess and I think although there is stigma and it sounds like with sororities and things like that maybe there is as well but just like being brave and asking people if they want to spend time together if they want to go for a coffee um you know messaging someone I know actually I had like a Facebook group chat with a group of girls before uni and that was really nice because then there was like a few familiar faces even though I didn't know them um it was just nice to know that there was people there that seemed friendly um and yeah I just there's so many people and it was really nice to see as well people that didn't go to the same uni as me but we went to the same school um kind of like almost reinvent themselves I saw so many people you know gain a whole new level of confidence when they went to uni and that was so nice to see so like I really and the same for me I guess I really took it as like my own experience and my own journey Um, and I went yeah like I said to a uni where I only knew one person and I didn't even really know that person Um, and it was in London and I'm, I'm not from London so that was like a new environment as well and I really took it as an opportunity as like okay like this is gonna be the start of like the direction that I want my life to go um and yeah I think I carried that through throughout the throughout the time that's awesome I love that what would you say like how would somebody balance school versus Mm. if they have a job um if they you know have have a job versus social life versus self do you have any other tips on setting those boundaries sometimes I look back at my uni self and think if I had to do that now there's no way (laughs) there's actually no way (laughs) because the reality is especially when there was like uh I don't know if we even really call them finals here but like finals and um deadlines I remember there would be like days where I would wake up no be at work for 8 a.m work until five nap try and go to the gym and then I'd go to the library until like 4 a.m obviously have dinner and then repeat and sometimes I'm like how did I even do that and then I would like balance that with trying to go out and see friends or like do something nice for myself um but I think something that helped me is just to make it personal to me I really found and to some people this might sound wild but I found sort of to-do list really stressful and I don't know why I think just seeing everything there to me was actually quite overwhelming so instead I would like um, leave myself like voice note messages or just try and like plan out my, d- my day in my head instead rather than writing it down on a list that I had like there because to me it was like really glaring and I felt like if I didn't get something done then I would feel guilty about it um but then at the same time and I remember before uni watching so many YouTube videos like how how should I like plan out my study time and blah 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 
and people would have like Excel sheets, um, like massive graphs they would put on their wall. And I just remember watching that is not going to work for me. I respect that you're that organised, but it's not going to work for me. So just finding what fits for you, um, I think, yeah, is important. And again, not being afraid to say no to situations, but at the same time, if you've just had a week of writing essays and you just need a break, sometimes if you can and you have the time, just take the break. I know sometimes I would call my mum and she would uh, she would say, you know, just come back to it tomorrow morning. And I'd be like, you don't understand, <laughs> this is due like this time. And then sometimes I would do it and I'd come back the next day and I had all these new ideas. Um, I just had so much more energy. So if you know that, the deadline isn't for a few days or a few weeks and you can just take a day to yourself I think really just respect that because you can come back with like a bit more momentum and I think yeah that's important there's a certain type of person that was at my school that was like a library person like there were the people that would stay in the library like all night and it was so intense those were usually (laughs) the business school people which (laughs) I was like undecided then I was like a journalism major then I was like I don't know what I'm doing here so I didn't take my studies maybe as seriously as I should have but like these people are staying up all night and they're in the library every day. Like it was so intense. And I guess that worked for some people, but you know, I sometimes felt that pressure to like be in the library. And then Mm -hmm. ultimately I remember trying it out for finals and I was just like, this isn't working for me. I'm just tired yeah. and burnt out. And I've had like seven cups of coffee and like, I feel really yeah. nauseous. It wasn't yeah. for me. So definitely. I heard once that like people in other countries, whatever that means, you know, that's like very, yeah. very broad, but like take, take gap years and it's nice. But where I grew up, like you didn't take a gap year, but looking back, I wish I would have too. Like I didn't yeah. even give myself that choice. So Um, if anyone's out there listening and they're like, I don't know what I want to do. And I feel stressed about college applications and yeah, like just that, those daunting, daunting life choices, like what am I going to do with the rest of my life? Which is like such a big deal at such a young age, honestly, like I still don't know what I'm going to do with the rest of my life and I'm 26. So yeah, whatever. But, um, yeah, if you can take a gap year, consider it. Cause I'm, I wish I would have for sure. I wish I would have as well and I remember feeling at 18 like I don't know what I'm going to do with my life like if I don't do this my life is over and I felt that at 18 and I look back at 23 and think why did I think like that and then sometimes I find myself now thinking like oh no I don't have my life together yet blah 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 and I really have to remind myself I'm 23 Mm -hmm. (laughs) like there's so there's literally so much time and I think sometimes we don't allow ourselves the space to like make mistakes or things to go wrong and you know all of this other stuff and I feel like I'm so grateful I have four older siblings and a younger sibling mm-hmm. um and it's interesting because when she when my younger si- sibling my younger sister comes to me with you know things I'm like don't worry about it honestly don't worry about it you're gonna figure it out it's gonna be okay but at the same time I remember when my older siblings mm-hmm. would say that to me I'd be like you don't get it it's different like but this is my experience whatever but I think yeah just understanding that oftentimes things do settle out or the dust settles and I'm learning that even in the times that it doesn't I'm learning to be more um sort of or just to think more like okay this situation hasn't actually figured itself out so what can I do there and trusting you know my trusting myself to make decisions on things um I think is really important because I think yeah the thought of something going wrong used to really stress me out and I hate I hated the thought of that and then now I've just started to learn to accept that you know things are going to go wrong they really are so how can I prepare myself as well as possible but also be like adaptive to different situations yeah and I think that's like kind of it 
Oh my gosh. Well, thank you so much for <laughs> being on the show and for sharing your story and your advice and your tips and your resources. Um, yeah, I really appreciate it so much. No, definitely. Thank you so much for having me. And yeah, I'll send you all of the resources that I mentioned. Um, and yeah, everyone can find them on your page or my page or under the show notes. So yeah, I hope I hope this was like comforting and gave people some insight and advice um, that was valuable. <laughs> yes, I, I, I think so too. I'll leave everything down below. Um, so yeah. everyone check her out on Instagram. And yeah, thank you again. <laughs> thank you so much. Take care.